Hey, Brando. Welcome back to the Great Dive Podcast. To you and all the people out there. Welcome to you, too, James. Spring is here, my man. It's Finally. Uh, finally. Although I think we're gonna we're gonna snap back today. What did we have in the mid seventies yesterday, which was uh, a big change from the prior month. Yeah, springtime in Michigan. The birds are out. So is the snow at times. But is that the six seasons? You know, like the pre-spring and then the fake spring. How they have the fake spring? Where like yesterday was the fake spring. Now we're going back to probably pre-spring today. I'm showing 37 outside. It's a cool, crisp start to spring having sprung. And, Brandon, we should probably let the people know that our friends at Manscaped have some of the best tools for some of the people's spring cleaning this year. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. You know, they've already been helping the, the people of the Great Dive Podcast tidy up all of their little nooks and crannies in their body's basement, but... This year, Manscaped can help you get the perfect presentation on that beautiful face out there, people, with the new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. Make sure you look your best this spring using the code TGDP. Get 20% off for free shipping at manscaped.com. And ladies, tell them Jamesy and Brando sent you. That's right. You're going down to opening day baseball game here in, uh, here in the D. You got to be looking sharp. What if, the, what if you get on the Jumbotron? <laughs> You don't want any of those stray whiskers showing or some of those hairs coming out of your nose. Up on no, the you better trial. use that Weed Whacker 2.0. <laughs> get, uh, get that up in there, clean out all those nose hairs, those ear hairs. Yeah, can you imagine being on the Jumbotron and millions of people looking at your face, especially if they show it on television? That would be the one time I actually made it to the Jumbotron. <laughs> they, they did a close-up. All, all the days I show up with that... Perfectly greased back pompadour hairdo. Uh-huh. Looking like t- Tom Selleck. Got my George Clooney look. No, I'd never make it there. But the one day I got the crazy straggly nose hairs. Oh, yeah. Didn't, sh- didn't shave. Just threw on a baseball hat and it, it blew away in the wind. Yeah, that's the day I, sh- I show up on the Jumbotron. Don't be that guy, people. Get your uh, beard, head your pro kit. 20 hair cutting lengths, titanium blades. Beard shampoo and conditioner. Brando's favorite, the beard balm and beard oil. Give it a try, people. Save 20% off and free shipping with the code TGDP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code TGDP at manscaped.com. Focus on the face and use the Beard Hedger Pro Kit for the cleanest look in the game. (laughs) (laughs) Now batting for James Mott. (laughs) Crouch! Going, going, gone. Hey, Brando, um, we got to give a shout out to the people. We've got some awesome listeners. I, I agree. Um, I mean, and real quick, we should probably recap for everybody. As we're approaching three quarters of a million listeners rolling rolling in here recently. Whoa, whoa. Um, 2023 is going to, you know, send us. Into the seven digits, it looks like. Into orbit, baby. It's It's been a while since we've uh, you know told the people of the world where they stand. And With our TGDP. Top, 
with TGDP. <laughs> they know where they might stand in other things. But if they're curious about what's really important. Let's talk about the important things. We don't care about your political affiliations. <laughs> we really, we, I can't emphasize we that one. We all. don't give a damn about your socioeconomic status. Unless uh, it affects your donating. <laughs> we only care about where you fall in our listenership. And once again, proving that the United States is number one. Top listening country is the good old US of A. Shout out to uh, the good old Americans. But holding firmly Strong. to that number two place. Is your good old buddy down under me? <laughs> now, that, now that's a noise, boy. That's a podcaster right there, mate. Throw a couple podcasters on the Bobby, eh? Oi! Australia <laughs> coming in at number two, and a little trip over the pond <laughs> to your spot of tea drinking, mates. A spot of tea. We're right next to the Beatles, we are. Is our good friends in the UK. So top three countries for the good old Great Dive podcast. Uh, not too far behind are our good friends, uh, the hosers over in Canada. What's it all about up there, eh? It's, uh, it's, been, uh, it's been winter in Canada. They, they've been uh, hibernating a little bit, I think. And coming in to round out the, the number five spot is the Germans. So, yes. Yeah, so thank you to everybody out there uh, tuning in. <laughs> Uh, we should probably, this is a good reminder for all those people out there uh, donating at uh, PayPal and those of you donating on uh, Patreon, those Patreon sponsors. Huge thank you to you guys. Uh, the show would not be here without your wonderful support month after month after month. Big thank you. Yeah, because I mean, just did the taxes and whatnot for TGDP. And uh, <laughs> thankfully... <laughs> Thankfully, we got a good tax attorney. Because of your donations, you we can, can afford do. a good tax attorney. Thank you. Now we're only $1,000 in the hole a year. No. <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. I'm kidding, of course. But really, super appreciated everyone that reaches in their pockets and you know hands us their spare change. That is awesome. That's all it takes to keep us going. And, Brando, we should also, all those people that have sent us lavish gifts like those beers from around the world dub beers S stickers stickers t-shirts dub t-shirts books and magazines and and we must say that we have just received a new book in the mail we did and uh i really like this book james this is one of our listeners that we met and we even spoke about him on the show because it was kind of a, a funny way to meet someone. But it's a way in the dive world. I think we may have started something in the dive community. It's a good way to to reach out and meet someone. I like, you know, I'm, I don't want to get into which way somebody somebody goes. But, like, I like girls. And if I were single and I wanted to meet a dive girl, this is probably a great way to meet her. You know, uh, in reality, when, looking back on it all. Yeah. Now that we can all laugh about the situation. <laughs> <laughs> Stealing somebody's dive equipment. Allegedly. Accidentally. Stealing, inadvertently stealing somebody's dry suit right before uh, they've got a big cold water dive to do the next morning. Is a great way to, uh, to meet somebody. 
It is, because that's how we met this gentleman. And uh turns out to be, uh, you know, he put out this book, which he, he spoke to us about wanting to do the book. But he actually, he's one of those, I tend to believe most of our listeners are, those people that carry through with their, I want to do something, they they go out and do it. Yeah, yeah. After. After he told the police it was all a misunderstanding <laughs> and exactly, decided not yeah. to press charges, he, he turned out to be a great guy. He actually, <laughs> he actually chuckled about this more than I think I would have, because, you know, we know he was in a in a course and in, in a kind of an intense course, and you know he he laid his dry suit over the the rail on the balcony, really on the. Where we where we all had ours and we're we're sitting out talking there, yeah. So yeah, so we had everybody meet at our hotel, and then it got dark, and at, at we didn't even like really notice that they were staying right next door and had their suits <laughs> out as well. And then we it was last week like we gotta if we're gonna go get food, they're gonna be closing soon. So everybody just started grabbing suits, throwing them in our room, <laughs> <laughs> throwing them over the shower curtain rail, and his suit happened to be in there too. But, yes, we are talking about our, our good buddy, Daryl Goldberg, who just published a book, Life Lessons Learned Diving. And he was kind enough to send us very nice hardcover copies of this book with a nice little thank you written on the cover page with, of mine. What did he write to yours, James? He said, thanks for all the lessons. I've learned more from your podcast than a lot of courses I've taken. I appreciate your support and hope to actually dive together sometime. And we're going to make Many that Many thanks happen. and good diving. Yeah. yeah. He wrote uh, in mine, Brando, thanks for all that you do for the diving world. You're way better than James. Keep it up. <laughs> <laughs> Keep carrying him on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least, at least he writes from the heart, you know? <laughs> no, I actually wrote... Thanks for all the support and lessons. I've been taking notes, learned more from you and James than you ever realized. And that was really, really nice, Daryl. Thanks, man. Uh, yeah, thanks, I mean, Darryl. that's the kind of thing that really makes you, every time you think, okay, this podcast thing takes up a lot of time and, you know, provides a, a, a couple beers and we get to meet some great people, but it's, it's a big time-consuming thing. And that's what makes it worth it. Wait, are you saying that you were looking at yourself in the bathroom mirror this morning saying the same thing as me? Like, why am I doing this? <laughs> what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> what are we doing? Talking about diving again. But you know what? Then it's like uh, you get something like this comes to you and you and you remember you're, we're here for the people. Yeah, and, and what we do is, is actually having an effect. So Yeah, yeah. It, it's a, it's an awesome feeling for yeah. sure. I think we should this also, James, I, a... I want to say one more thing, though, because yeah. we didn't yeah, finish. Sorry. You should say, like, it, it, the story about the dry suit, he went all night. I was going to poke it in when we were still talking about it. But he went all night thinking his dry suit was gone. He was done. He's going to have to rent a suit or buy and do something. And he, he kept his cool. He kept his cool. He was really uh, composed about it. He actually chuckled about it. Uh, which I, I have to believe, you know, after reading his book, he's into self-improvement and, and thinking. And when I say thinking, I mean deep thinking kind of thing, not, not thinking about a cheeseburger for lunch. Deep thoughts. Exactly. And I was impressed that he didn't lose composure or anything over something that is that, that much of a bummer. If In real life, if that had happened, well, it was real life, if it had really been stolen, that would have been a, a bummer. That's the only word I've got in my vast vocabulary to describe it. 
It would have been a tragedy. How's that? It would have been a, a diving tragedy. It would have been an I learned about diving from that. <laughs> I, learned, I learned about diving from the time I put my dry suit over the rail to dry out. <laughs> Next to those assholes. <laughs> so this book, it's not a novel. It's not a like a technical manual. It's more like a philosophical um, coffee table, thumb through it. Uh, you know, you your dive buddies could be over and just grab it and pick it up, thumb through a couple of pages and get some inspiration in just a, a quick couple of minutes. Oh, easily. I, I just FYI. So I'm I'm teaching a close family uh, friend here, uh, Scuba, obviously. Um, since I don't know, I don't know anything else. I couldn't teach it. What, what else could I teach? <laughs> How to lose your mind with four children. Um, but I'm like, this should be included in the class because it really hits home how diving and life are related and the things that you do in diving and the way you approach diving, the things you learn in diving are perfectly transmittable or what's the word I'm looking for, James? Well, I've heard you say this. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never forget this word either. It's right on the... T- <laughs> no. <laughs> It's uh, it you, relates you, you, perfectly to life's lessons. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard you say this. Yes. before diving is, is life. life. Life is diving. Yes, Jamesy. Thank you. I got through to Jamesy somehow. The rest of my family is, yeah, I include James as my family, but the rest of my family is lost. They're lost. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I need to give this book to them. Maybe that will do it. Thanks, Daryl. He says in the preface that I love scuba diving. I also love psychology and self-improvement. This book combines those passions. It started as notes to myself. I was studying both topics voraciously and found it interesting whenever a lesson I learned while trying to become a better diver aligned well with something I picked up while studying psychology and vice versa. You know, if I started this, James... It would say, I love scuba diving. I also love nachos. <laughs> That's why I've combined the two to write this book. Now, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry, James. It's, you know, it's going to be one of those episodes. I'm putting a lot of uh, interjectory tangent filler. <laughs> say it. Never. It's like you never run out of gas. And you never eat the last tortilla chip. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> Always order See, I, extra I, I jalapenos. Know, <laughs> I, I know exactly what you mean. You you never you never let your gas run out. You never let the free chips and salsa run out. Ever. And uh, again, I go back to the jalapenos. You've got to have one jalapeno per chip at the very minimum. Anyway, where were you? He said, it seemed to me that dive lessons were often life lessons. At the same time, so much of what I was learning out of the water was helping me become a better diver. So I wrote these similar lessons down. Slowly, it became a sort of a study guide, helping me remember these nuggets of wisdom in and out of the water. And then he kind of goes through in this book. He's got a whole bunch of lessons. 63 to be exact, of 
a little diving lesson, and then a little life lesson that relates to the same thing. Something that he learned about in life that relates well to diving. And I, I thought it'd be kind of fun today to to kind of go through, I've been thumbing through this book now for a couple of weeks, and I think it'd be a good to just kind of share a couple of our favorites throughout the book. Yeah, that's, uh, you could actually just grab the book, open it to any page, and cover something really useful and really insightful into diving and into life. I was, uh, I was really impressed with that. And I, I know we had spoken, we were going to pick five and, but every single one of these really hit home for me. Yeah. yeah. And I think you should know, I, I think Daryl put a lot more into this than, than what he says in the, in the preface of the book or the forward of the book. But I mean, even looking at the cover, he's got a, a really cool picture of, uh, what's well, kind of like an iceberg. It's a little mountain. Uh, what, what's that called, James? Uh, it's, Earth, not ice. But. <laughs> I know, but it's, it's kind of like an, it's an earth. It's like an earthberg. The way it really relates to an iceberg is you see the tip above the water, and then you see the what's underneath it with two divers. But what's underneath it is a lot more. I mean, this is how I took it too. It's yeah, like yeah. You, you see the tip of the iceberg, but you don't realize that underneath that iceberg. I mean, people do now because they have a little saying that's just the tip of the iceberg, but. You, you see, <laughs> this this happens to be the tip of a, of the pinnacle, right? The tip of the pinnacle, but you can see underneath. There's a lot more to to everything, really. I think you can take this and extrapolate it to everything. Everything isn't what it seems. Everything is just like the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> I'm gonna have a sip of my tip of the coffee pot. A tip of the coffee, <laughs> exactly. It's like jalapenos. <laughs> I can tell how this episode's gonna go. It's gonna be a hard one for the uh, non-initiated, the uninitiated to follow. <laughs> well, you know, when I just randomly open up my book to sixty-two, the sixty-two. Dude, lesson. this is weird because I have it written right here. The number one was number sixty-two for me. Ah, see the there, hell. synchronicity. Wow, like we are right on page, like. Right, right in sync. What other ones did you did you pick? Well, I start. I started with sixty two, and I'm like, ah. So I, I instead of like going back to the beginning, I so I went to sixty one, and then sixty. <laughs> <laughs> so lesson sixty two is I love diving. He says diving is a passion. It's not for everyone, but if you're reading this, perhaps you are one of those people who get what I'm talking about. I love the water. I love the escape to another world. I love the sense of freedom and weightlessness. I love the adventure. I love nature. I love the beauty. I love feeling more present and alive. I love improving and honing my skills. I love the camaraderie of sharing a passion with like-minded people who get it and therefore get me. Well said. Well spoken. Well written, actually. And I, and I think a lot of divers who get it, and w w what I mean by get it, I think are, are a lot of people who, who are fans of our show, you know, they're not just get a scuba certification as quickly as I can so I can do my one little cruise trip and do my one dive when it hits that one island where scuba is a, a, a possibility for us to do. But the people who 
live it, breathe it, dive it year round, year after year after year, that diving does become part of their life. I think those are the people that do get it. Oh, yeah. Uh, absolutely. I mean, they're, they're the ones who um, have to share that passion. When you share a passion for things, you, you know, that commonality is kind of becomes a bind, a binding agent, if you will. Well, absolutely, because those are the people you you meet and you gravitate to, and you start talking with, and it it's something that you know transcends certification level and transcends certification agency. It's it's something that becomes part of you that you can share with other people. Right, and in this day and age, we need more of that because everything's pretty divisive. There's not a lot of uniting going on out there. Whereas with diving, we can we can stay united. Just. Let's just not talk politics and, and diving, maybe. Maybe that's the only rule we got to have. Now, the life lesson that goes along with this is a quote. It's one of my favorite quotes ever from Ferris Bueller. Life moves pretty fast, and if you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. Damn straight, Ferris. <laughs> Don Cushane, are you going to start singing Don Cushane? Don Cushane. <laughs> Uh, but it also uh, hits one of the topics that we've covered a little bit that's, you know, something that I'm always interested in is the topic of flow. And he says that psychologist Mihai Csikszentmihalyi defines flow as a state in which people are so involved in an activity that nothing else seems to matter. The experience is so enjoyable that people will continue to do it even at a great cost for the sheer sake of doing it. Life is short. You are never waiting for your life to begin. It is always happening now. And in my experience, he says, it helps to find things you are passionate about and go do those things. Do them as much as you can, while you can, and while you still want to. If you're lucky enough to find something you love to do, I hope you find the courage necessary to give yourself permission to be yourself, to find people that support you, and go do it. Bitches. You forgot to add bitches at the end. <laughs> and have some jalapenos. <laughs> and have, have the jalapenos, baby. If you have to question, should I have the jalapenos or not? Have the jalapenos. It's just like life. Life is too short to not have jalapenos on everything you eat. On every- Am I right? <laughs> and then some. That's, that's the title of Brando's book. <laughs> life is too short to not have jalapenos on everything you eat. I have a lot of and other and great. other life lessons from Brandon <laughs> Schwartz. Uh, I'd get I'd get one or two lessons in there that I can relate to jalapenos, but but no, that's a great one. I uh, again, that's it. We both picked it as our our number one there, so that's pretty cool. Well, what other ones do you have in there? Like I was saying, I went right to 61, and I, I really like 61 because of the life lesson in it is something that um, I think if you can embrace this life lesson, your life will become so much more simple. <laughs> because here's, here's number 61. Diving section on the diving page, it says, the arrow always points home. And Daryl goes on to say, when diving in an overhead environment, a directional marker, an arrow, on the line should always point to the shortest path out. In other words, your your way home. It's a simple system, really, and the simplicity is the point. We want to minimize the amount of thinking and deciphering we might need to do later. This is because later 
might happen when we're stressed, annoyed, tired, in some type of emergency, or otherwise not thinking straight. So you keep things simple to avoid confusion. And uh, I mean, that's a very succinct way to put one of the biggest factors in our approach to diving is keep it simple. Keep it simple. Don't make it more complex. There's no advantages to that except stroking your ego, that ego, stroking your ego. Don't stroke your ego unless you, you, and, the, you and your ego have that kind of relationship. But, uh, stroking your ego is the only purpose of making things more complex, really. And then on the life side, yeah, go ahead, James. You were going to comment. Well, I was going to say it, that it is a great lesson mm-hmm. because people should learn to translate that concept into their life as well because you see how people just you know who have never been exposed to diving have never been exposed to cave diving Mm -hmm. they they walk around their daily life in such a a world of stress there's a lot going on upstairs these days they don't know how to make things simple no god no look at the world's on a breaking point right now because of the complexity so in life he says simple is not easy or simple doesn't necessarily mean easy. So understandably, people confuse what is simple with what is easy. They get frustrated because something sounds simple, so they think that it should be easy. Slow down, eat well, be kind, call your loved ones, make time for what's important, and remember to breathe. These things sound pretty simple, and they are simple, but that does not make them easy. Do not beat yourself up for struggling to do what is simple. Simple does not always mean easy. And I really like that because a lot of people do, and and I think I can include myself in that, is if something is simple, I assume that it's easy. I've equated the two words, which I don't, so I don't value it too much. Whereas I think he has a point of the rules of life are pretty simple. They're not easy to do, but they're pretty simple. As far as keep your nose clean kind of thing, love your neighbor, all that, treat, treat others like you should be treated. It sounds simple. It's just not easy. Very true. Very true. Even something as simple as breathing that, that so many people take for granted. Right. Well, they get into a class like your essentials and boom, they learn breathing. Yeah, you've been doing it all your life, but now we have to we have to think about it when we go underwater, and we have to do it do it in a manner that uh, really helps our diving. So you have to be conscious right. so of you, it. you got to be conscious of it. You know, consciously acting, consciously breathing, consciously doing, not just you know letting your body just run amok, right? And letting your brain run amok. Well, the funny thing is, you have to be conscious of it until you're not conscious of it anymore. If that makes that, sense, right? Yeah. Right. That, 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 well, but most people, you know, it's it's like the buoyancy thing, like the the trim thing. Yeah. Right? It's once you learn perfect flat horizontal trim, well, the next stage is being able to manipulate that. Yeah. But most people they just want to go to the manipulation <laughs> part because because the perfecting of the the, the flat horizontal part's uh-huh. a little too hard. So I I just I'm so good I went right to the manipulation of it part. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, I mean uh that's it. We teach you how to how to how to get in trim and stay stay cool with your buoyancy and then we teach you when it's when you have to break trim. When it's not always necessary nor desirable to be in that perfectly flat 
180-degree horizontal position. Yeah, there's times where that is terrible trim, you know, based on the environment, right? Mm -hmm. But the ability to break trim because you are consciously trying to and then come right back to it when it's applicable again, that's where the mastery comes. Right. So, and again, it's... It sounds simple. It's not necessarily easy. Speaking of breathing, Life Lesson 17 is another one that that I liked. And it's it's one of uh, you know, diving's most popular mantras in, in most scuba classes. It's the stop, breathe, think, act lesson. Daryl says Few problems during a dive actually require a split-second response. Most benefit from first taking a valuable moment to assess the situation, then deciding how to respond. Knee-jerk reactions tend um, tend to invoke panic. So when dealing with a problem, it helps to invest a second or two to think about the problem, mentally analyze what might be happening, and then decide what to do about it, and take action. The investment of those few valuable moments is frequently the difference between a panicked response and a thoughtful one. And that's, uh, that's one you learn in Open Water 101, right? <laughs> you, I mean, at least, at least it's mentioned in Open Water 101, right? Right. It, like, it, right off the get-go, in pretty much every open water class that you take, you're going to see those four words. Mm-hmm. Stop. Breathe, think about what's happening, then act, right? Stop what you're doing, get, a, get control of your breath so that you're not just you know, breathing wildly, right? If you can get control of your breathing, you'll soon be able to get control of your brain and you can, you can process what is happening and then react rather than just flying in to your body's response to a situation, which very well could be the dumbest thing you could possibly do, especially underwater. Yeah, because it becomes instinctual. You lose thought and go to instinct, and instinct says, I'm in a place where I can't breathe. I've got all this equipment on. I want out of here yesterday. Yeah, if, if if you are going to resort to instinct, but you have no experience in this new environment... You've got nothing that you can instinctually do at all that's, that's going to be the correct decision, most likely. Right. And that's why, I mean, the Stop, Breathe, Think Act is, if you break it down, really, when you, you have to stop the whole snowball from starting to form. And then the, breathe. So once you're breathing, you, I've got gas. I'm breathing. Let's get a, a grip on the situation uh, as opposed to doing none of that and just acting. Okay, just acting as a reacting is really the word. In the life lesson side, he's got a quote from Viktor Frankl. It says, between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. Daryl goes on to say, I can't change the ocean's current. Much like I can't always choose what happens, what I can choose is my response. I used to think I had to get angry or I had to react in a certain way. Thankfully, I now know that I'm responsible for how I react. In that 
brief but valuable space between stimulus and response, many things can happen. Accepting that it is my responsibility to decide how I will use that space is both a great burden and great empowerment. I find it helps if I can extend the space between stimulus and response. For me, that is often the crucial difference between reacting and responding. Reacting comes from the so-called reptilian brain, which, like the fight-or-flight response, is immediate and rash. Reacting can be helpful in the short term, like if an animal is attacking you, but it is, con- it is not concerned with long-term consequences, whereas responding is considerate and deliberate. It is a decision that comes from a calm state. Often it helps me think Often, it helps me to think of it this way. Responding means I am in control of my actions. Reacting means my actions are in control of me. Very well put. Again, I, uh, I like the way that is, is put there because it's pretty dead on, right? <laughs> think well, about is... your response. Think about your reaction and then respond. Well, this is the issue that divers have. People have, yeah. This is a people is thing. the mm-hmm. just reacting on emotion rather than thought. This is why the, the yeah. world is in the state that it is today. But but definitely, this is you know underwater. This is where the problems occur. Yeah, yeah. Instead of the thinking part, <laughs> right? Uh, I, I actually, and I think they forgot the first two before the thinking part, which is the stopping and breathing. There is just act, which is again react. And this is where we have the chaos that happens underwater, right? When, when we're trying to accomplish something, but, but nobody can just stop and stay put, right? Everybody's on this perpetual forward motion. And <laughs> when I need to be able to stop to take care of a problem or, or even, you know, figure out navigation or, or, or any simple thing underwater. But if I don't have the ability to control myself, stop and stay in one place without destroying visibility, keep my breathing under control it's it's going to be very hard to make good decisions and act upon them yeah uh, uh, agreed the ability to stay still and breathe all those things that that are taught in uh, especially the essentials fundamentals classes that being in control of yourself vital that is so vital when the shit hits the fan and that's all those that's all those courses. That's all scuba diving is about, really. I mean, being able to control yourself in the water during the entire dive, but especially when the shit hits the fan, which it will inevitably if you dive long it, enough. It most definitely will at some point. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the cornerstone of the way we look at everything underwater, right. which is how you should look at how you, everything in life. Yes, you got to be ready for when the shit hits the fan, man. Stop breathe, think, and act. So in that order, just like that, I think uh, turns your, turn your reactions into responses. Yeah, right? you'll become a better diver, and you'll also become a better human. Hopefully. Hopefully, God damn it. That's the whole point of uh, diving, to become a better human, isn't it? So... The next one I like you, so you know I, I dabble in, when I say dabble, I like to read. I'm by no means a Buddhist. I, I couldn't live the lifestyle. I don't, 
I don't possess the inner discipline, I guess, because in my life to live as a Buddhist would be, wouldn't it wouldn't be fun. I got to laugh a little, which means I got to laugh at someone else's expense. <laughs> anyway, I do like I do, I I have been reading Buddhism and their approach to to uh, the mind, the way the mind works, uh, is second to none in my opinion. So that's that's the reason I've been into it for so long, but. You can tell there's a big Buddhist, well, there's a Buddhist influence in Daryl's life because he relates a lot of these to Buddhist concepts. Um, and this one, number 19, I really liked. The lesson number 19, uh, Daryl writes, diving, the diving side. You don't have to go deep for great dives. And this is something you and I preach all the time because we love diving and uh, A, you don't always have the time to go deep. B, you don't have the money for the helium to go deep. But uh, True facts. We get the same enjoyment, the same thrill doing a, a 20, 30-foot dive here in our local mud holes as we do doing a 200-plus-foot wreck dive or a cave dive or an exotic, beautiful reef dive. We get the same thrill, the same charge, same love for the, for the activity. And uh, that's what I liked about this one. So, Daryl writes, newer divers often assume, quote, well, if it's deeper or harder to get to, then it must be better, unquote. This could not be further from the truth. Experienced divers know that they can have amazing dives at 30 feet or 300 feet. And that's 9 meters or 90 meters for our metric people. Difficulty does not equate to quality. So, simple doesn't mean easy. Difficulty doesn't mean it's more quality to it. Yeah, I also picked this one, number 19. I think we picked a lot of the same ones. And again, <laughs> I think we, you could just yeah, open up this like, book and, and look at any page and you'll yeah, get Yeah, you absolutely from it. could. You know, I, I like this one too because it's, a, it, it's something that we touch on a lot. You know, the dive is really inside of you, it, it's not the place that you're going to, it's, it's what you bring out of yourself. That really makes the dive, not the the fact that you got to write that dive site name in your logbook. That's very that's very zen of you. That that right there is everything is inside of you concept. That's a that's a Buddhist thing. And it's well, that's what I mind. that's what I liked about yes. this lesson number nineteen. Yeah, and so in nineteen, the life side of it, he writes. He has a quote here from uh, Robert M. Persig. The only Zen you can find on the tops of mountains is the Zen you bring up there. In other words, you don't need to go to the top of a mountain to, to, to find that peace, to find that understanding of life. Right. It's right there in the nacho bowl. It's in the nacho. It's in the jalapeno. It's right there in the jalapeno. <laughs> no truer words were ever spoken, my friend. So Daryl continues here. Before trying the geographic cure, changing locations to escape problems, it's probably worth remembering that wherever we go, we take ourselves with us. So the problem is still with us, in other words, I think is what he's getting at. You can't escape, buddy. You, yeah, you can't escape your problems. You, you, you at some point have to sit and reflect mm-hmm. reflect on them and and accept them and learn from them. Sometimes you got to go up to a mountain to do that because there's just you and your problem there, right? <laughs> Sometimes your mountain is right there. Uh-huh. 
on top of that tortilla chip. <laughs> so he continues to write, there's only one person I'm guaranteed to be with from the moment I'm born to the moment I die, and that's myself. Truth. From the cradle to grave, there I am. There are days I'm, I hate the guy in the mirror. I'm sick of looking at his fat face, staring back at me, judging me. <laughs> That chip tooth that he chipped when he was 14 that the dentist repaired and then it, the chip repair fell out. I keep looking at it like, you should get that fixed. But he fucked it up. That Anyway, <laughs> and then I go to bite a nacho. Daryl continues to write, there's no getting away from ourselves. So it's helpful to like the company. Is your inner dialogue, in other words, the voice we talk to ourselves in, is it a positive voice or does it sound like a supportive friend? Or does it sound overly critical and negative? <laughs> fucking chipped tooth. <laughs> Goddamn bastard. Um, Daryl writes, since we're always with ourselves, it certainly helps to shift that voice from a critic to a friend. Hey, buddy. That's right. Because uh, that chipped tooth... <laughs> Is, that's who you are. That's... You ain't going to let that tooth go, are you? <laughs> hey, buddy, how about we find a new dentist and fix that tooth? <laughs> and we can solve that problem. At least that's one problem. We don't have to go to the mountain to fix. Uh, Daryl goes on to finish this with, Alas, a lot of the so-called zen, happiness, and other answers we seek aren't on mountaintops or distant locations. It's an inner journey. And I would, I would end that one with bitches as well. It's an inner journey, bitches. And it go. is the journey. It's Again, this is a couple lessons there. It's the journey, not the destination. The journey is what we're on. I mean, we really only have one destination in this segment of the journey. And that's a dirt nap time kind of thing, right? And who's rushing to that? If you're rushing to that, I don't know, maybe today, maybe in this world today, people are rushing to it, but shouldn't be. Right. It'll be here soon enough. You got you to gotta find peace within yourself in order to find peace in this world. And diving, as we just learned. Yeah. Diving helps with that. that is, it's a tool. It's a tool. It's more than just uh, let's go look at fish underwater. It's, uh, it can help you learn uh, about who you are, what you are, and why you're here. Yeah, uh, I, I think uh, absolutely, you know, especially if you do the diving, you know, with that big picture in mind, right? Right. Zen, that, that, the Zen and the art of scuba diving mentality. Oh, yeah. Bingo. Yeah. I'm back to saying bingo. I was trying to get bingo out of my goddamn lexicon of vocabulary go-to words. It's back with the vengeance. But anyway, I really like that one uh, just because it, it really is what the reason for diving is. And you can, make the, you can take that philosophy to, into everything. It's like as well, Zen yeah. Buddhists do say, you know, you know, Zen is everywhere. The awakening, enlightenment, satori, whatever you want to call it, it's in anything you do. And you can achieve it mentally. It's all mental. It's all inner. So. That takes me to lesson number 45, Brando. Lesson number 45. Diving. Good conditions. You know, it's all about like what we perceive as good. 
is inside of you. Again. Right? Yeah. Like what we were just talking about. He says, I first learned to dive in the Caribbean. There, good conditions meant water over 75 degrees Fahrenheit and near endless visibility. Then I decided I would like to dive locally, which for me meant New Jersey and Long Island. Suddenly, my definition of good conditions wildly changed. Now, (laughs) I was calling 10 feet of visibility a good day and 15 plus great. I was also calling a water temperature of 40 degrees Fahrenheit, just over 4 Celsius, acceptable. And 50 degrees Fahrenheit, fantastic. (laughs) Meanwhile... The ice divers think I'm soft when I don't want to get into 34-degree Fahrenheit water. One diver's good conditions is another's not worth it. <laughs> well, in, in Daryl's defense, you know, once it goes below 40, every degree is, as far as the way it feels on your body, you can equate it to, every, like, 10 degrees going from, like, 70 to 60 Okay, so you know, if you're in seventy, and you go to sixty, you're going, oh, it's it's chillier. It's it, you know significantly chillier here. That's the same as going from forty to thirty nine. Now go all the way to thirty four. You might as well be fucking dropping into liquid nitrogen. That's all I can think of. That's the only thing that comes to my mind. But it's not so much the temperature as it is the purpose. Of the dive, right? Because there are there are days where I have no interest in jumping into thirty nine, forty degree <laughs> water to just to, to to not have you know any feeling in my hands when we're, <laughs> we're done for a thirty minute dive. But but on the other hand, like there's there's days where you and I have went out under the ice and have spent hours mm-hmm. in the water. And as cold as we were, we we muscled on for hours and hours and hours and made it through with smiles on our faces and would have stayed longer and had such a, an amazing time. So it's to me, this is it is what you make it. You it's know, life. good. It's life. There you go. That's why I like this. And the life lesson side of this is another Viktor Frankl quote. He says, "Ultimately, man should not ask what the meaning of life is." but rather must recognize that it is he who is asked. When you, you if you sit and think about that statement, that that like sums up so much. If you can get if you can get that statement into your head and and not keep going around in circles with it but kind of grasp it. That's a pretty good one. Profound. Yeah. Daryl says, "Let's say you got a magical time machine and you could go and ask your younger self at ages 5, 10, 90, <laughs> What is the meaning of your life? I suspect those three versions of you would give three different answers. Nachos. Jalapenos. (laughs) Nachos, jalapenos, and (laughs) cheese. I I wouldn't ask my five-year-old self jack shit or my ten-year-old self. You mean you're a dumbass? What what the hell does he know? G.I. Joe. (laughs) He says, getting to choose and change our meaning and purpose is a good thing. If you're debating, well, what should I choose as my life purpose? I suggest bravely going deep with that question. 
external things like money, jobs, titles, and other people can come and go. However, an internal sense of purpose can never be taken from us. It makes you what some call unfuckwithable. <laughs> That's awesome right there. Unfuckwithable. Yeah, if you've got purpose in your life, it, it, and it, whatever whatever it is that you're doing, yeah, you, you know, can see this in other people. You, you can see you can see. There, there's no stopping. Mm-hmm. There's nothing can get in your way. Any cult member knows this. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. The, the idea of cult gives it a, a negative kind of uh, aura, if you will. But the the thing about the cult is the single minded focus uh, that I'm trying to get at. So when you you have that purpose and it becomes your single-minded focus and everything emanates from that purpose. Everything you do emanates from that purpose or you try to make everything you do become a response to the purpose in your life. Things get achieved, great things, and you become the person you want to be. Whether you, you say, my purpose is to be you know, Satan on earth or to go the other side and be very good. Either way, you achieve it. You know, it's like that old saying: whether you're right or wrong, whatever what you think is, is what it will be. Right, and if you don't have any purpose underwater, well, the the water is cold and uncomfortable, right? The viz is shitty. There, right? If if you don't have purpose, there there isn't anything cool because the whale shark didn't come by. There wasn't a pygmy seahorse. So this dive sucked. <laughs> Son of a bitch. But I think going back to you talking about being in the ice for hours and hours, that's typically when we're teaching an ice diving course, uh, when that happens. And there's a great purpose there, and we're sharing sharing what we do and what we love with these people, and they really seem to be getting a, a lot out of it. And that that becomes the purpose, and that's why it's so much more loved doing, you know, really enjoy it. So, yeah, that was a great one, James. Okay, I liked, again, I, I could pick so many of these. I could pick almost every single one. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm, I was going to pick a number here, but I'm just going to randomly open a page, and I'm going to tell you why I like it. Okay, number 32. Number 32, because this is going to prove my thing. Like you, you can just randomly open it. You can open it up to any page and get a little inspiration. Oh, this is a good one. I You're know. right. They're all good. I, I, I really struggled to find one that I was like, uh, he's reaching there. Uh, almost, I mean, every single one I was going, yeah, these are, these are pretty good little gems to keep up in your mind. So number 32, Daryl writes uh, under the diving heading, check your air. He says, in diving, the tank is like a clock. At some point, the time's up, and it's time to go home. As the proverb says, all good things must come to an end. We don't want to be surprised when we run out of air, so it's important to stay aware of how much air you have and when it might get low. We can help ourselves stay aware by understanding how much air we tend to breathe at a given depth and uh, confirming our mental estimates by checking our air regularly. Kind of like, and this isn't the beginning, it's just like reading a, a gas gauge on your car. You don't keep your eyes focused on it for the entire drive, except when you're maybe just learning to drive. But you do, you do learn how long you can drive before you know, you're at half full or quarter full when you got to get a, a, a fill up. So the same thing with your gas on your back. On the life side, go ahead, James, are you going to comment? Yeah, it's, it's about being aware, being 
awareness, baby. In in mm-hmm. tune with your surroundings. Yeah, having having your brain on, in other words. Right. We just we just had a situation on this, you know, essentials I was down in North Carolina teaching. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's got transmitters on you know, and, and they're they're sold into this idea that yeah. they need that, you know up to date, easy to read <laughs> display, but it it handicaps you really because that information is so easy to get, you don't appreciate it and you don't remember it. You know, when you when you versus when you gotta go through the work to unclip the gauge to, to get thing. it up in front of your face and, and consciously do the task of getting gas, it makes it, in my opinion, a little bit easier to remember what it is that you're doing. And I can only prove that by dealing with people with, that are looking at transmitters that have no clue what that information <laughs> is, even though it's right in front of their face the whole uh-huh. entire time they're in the water. So it doesn't, it does not do what it's claimed, meaning make it easier to check your gas. Because the, the gas check becomes superficial. Right. It actually it weakens you. It's like most most every single luxury we keep making and inventing everything, every way we make life. So there's no work to be done. So there's no no struggle. In other words, there's no value to anything because there's no struggle. There's no work in it. The only work you got is the work you go to to earn money so you can buy a your fucking head-up display, right? <laughs> <laughs> to buy something else to make life easier. Right, to make it more and more simple, which takes away a big part of life, which is the work, the paying attention, which gives the reward and value in it. Agreed. So, so on the life side, Daryl writes a quote that is adapted with permission from Jim Quick. He writes, Quote, you're not overwhelmed because you're doing too much. You're overwhelmed because you're doing too little of what really matters. God damn it. That is profound right there. And I, I should have, I didn't put this on my list, but I should have anyway, because that is the goddamn truth. This is exactly what I said to the waitress at the Mexican <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> Who said she was too busy and overwhelmed to bring me another basket of tortilla chips and salt? She forgot my side of jalapenos because she has too much of what really doesn't matter going on up there. Which the only what thing really that should matter is my goddamn jalapeno. <laughs> now you got it. And she said, I was distracted by that chip tooth you've got, you <laughs> son of a bitch. Uh, <laughs> anyway, Daryl writes... In life, there's also a clock on our backs. We can't see this clock, so we don't know when our time will be up. But we all know our time is ticking away. At some point, the clock will run out for all of us. We can choose to use this awareness of our mortality as motivation, motivation to see, savor, celebrate, and enjoy our one and only life while we have it. Carpe diem, bitches. Carpe diem. Carpe diem. Seize that day. Yeah, I mean, if you if you approach it, and this is you know goes back to memento memento mori, which is an old old saying, which is remember your death. It's a Latin remember your death, which is a Buddhist thing. And Buddhist, the they have an exercise where they contemplate their death. So did like a lot of Native Americans. Um, they actually have to 
meditate on their death and, and various ways to die, various horrid, gory ways to die in an effort to continually remember your time here is short, you are going to die, which seems to escape, I would have to say, seems to escape the vast majority of the population in the world. They don't believe they're going to die. So they they do a lot of stupid shit. I mean, uh, me included, you know, spend so much time on your fucking Instagram or whatever. You know, you know how you get sidetracked laughing sure, at Instagram yeah. memes. You're fucking two hours go by in the hot tub and you're going, what the fuck? I wanted to go to bed at 11 tonight. <laughs> It's one o'clock in the morning now. <laughs> but that's just the thing is, is we get so wrapped up in life that we're missing our lives. And this Boom. is a great book to, to have, you know, around to remember that. And for divers, we have a, such a unique way of getting in touch with ourselves and our minds and our lives and our consciousness and our breathing because diving is so foreign that, that in a way we're, we're luckier than any other person out there, us, us divers. And Daryl, good job on this book, bud. Um, it's a great one to have. Outstanding. Outstanding. I, I really, really liked it. Like I say, I wanna, I'm going to give it to my students. I, I don't teach a lot of open waters anymore, close friends and whatnot. And uh, these guys, I think, would really benefit, as would almost anybody. So we'll post a link to the book. Uh, it's on, a, it's on, on at Amazon. On our, yeah, yeah, and you can get it on, you can just look it up on Amazon, you know, uh, Life Lessons Learned Diving by Daryl Goldberg and uh, get it there. They're all Bob Goldberg, so I—I I mean, that's what—that's what it says. Yeah, but you, yeah, but you can, but you, yeah, but you can just Google Gold. You don't even put Daryl about Goldberg. Life lessons learn diving. It'll come up. You don't. Well, you don't hear a lot of like middle you names probably, of Bob. I'm uh, which I think is awesome because it's not Robert. I'm I'm. Let's make a right now before we 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 leave the show. What do you? Why do you think he has Bob as a middle name? And I'm assuming it's his middle name because it's Daryl Bob Goldberg. You don't see a lot of Bobs. What do you think's going on there? Family, very close family, father, grandfather. Uh, and his name was probably Robert, and he, he hated Robert. He said, call me Bob. When Daryl was born, Daryl Bob. Or maybe his dad, you know, was like Bob, Daryl Bob Goldberg. I love it. <laughs> this, this is where the music's fading out. Sorry. 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 All right, everybody, go get your copy of Life Lessons Learn Diving. And uh, don't forget to go watch What About Bob? And uh, we. Don't will forget talk to those you. extra jalapenos on your nachos either. Okay. All right, everybody, we'll uh, talk to you. Next week.